0: Hey y'all, it's Crystal. And it's Samantha. And this is Serial Holic Sisters. True Crime Shit. Hey girl, hey. Hey, hey, hey. It I'm is just... back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> about to say,
1: are you are you an infomercial now? <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> hope everyone enjoyed our Halloween special. It was super fun to record. I hope so too. It was fun. It was it different. Was. It was. It was spooky. It was creepy. It gave me the chills. But now it's back to business and by business i mean moida (laughs) moida Moida. right so um it's my turn this week Mm -hmm. my turn also i wanted to shout out and say thanks again to my girl shannon for special guest hosting i was like (laughs) (laughs) shannon shannon when i like dropped the ball the last episode and i didn't have a case ready and she like came through so that was cool so thanks (laughs) shannon thanks shannon all right so uh, this week i am talking about one of the original black widows she has many nicknames um one of them is the black widow of the midwest
1: okay
0: so this week i am talking about Belle gunness okay like i said she was one of the first black widow serial killers she's often referred to as hell's bell and authorities eventually found the remains of over Forty victims on her farm property. Jeez. So let's go ahead and just get into it. So we, do, do you know this one? I don't. Okay, cool, cool. I didn't know it either. I actually saw it in a book that dad got me when they were here visiting at the Barnes & Noble.
1: I saw it too because he got me the same book. Yes, so, so I, I read it. I never actually
0: like read much into it yet, so. Yeah, it's just like a small little piece on each person that talks about her but I read that small little piece and I was like oh that's super interesting let's look more into it so I did so we are going to go back way back in our time machine to the 1800s Belle Gunnis was actually born by the name Brynhild Paulstatter Storseth didn't say that right Mm -hmm. I'll try it again (laughs) Belle was actually born by the name Brynhild Paulstatter Storseth on November twenty second, eighteen fifty nine in Selbu, Norway.
1: Okay.
0: She was the youngest daughter of eight children, born to a stonemason named Paul Peterston Paul Peterson Storseth, it's hard to say these Norwegian names apparently <laughs> and Barrett Olstadter. She was raised on a small farm and grew up to be a very physically strong woman. Standing around five foot nine and weighing over two hundred pounds, so she was like a sturdy gal. There's one story that I kept seeing in different articles. I didn't see a lot on like her upbringing, but the one that I did keep seeing was it it was not confirmed to have happened, but there was a lot of accounts that it was possible. I mean, that is back in the 1800s. Who knows? There's a lot of stories get told and changed and all that stuff. But the story goes that when Belle was around 18 years old, she was pregnant and she attended the county dance. At this dance, it said that she was attacked by a man who ended up kicking her in her abdomen, causing her to miscarry. Mm. The man was supposedly from a wealthy family in the Eric area, so he never got into any kind of trouble for this. And after this horrible event, the townspeople all said that Belle was never the same and her personality like changed drastically, which like understandable if something that traumatic happened <laughs> to you. Understood, but Moida, <laughs> but Moida exactly. So, and also this guy like didn't even get a slap on the wrist because his family had money. So I can't even imagine how I would feel after all of that. Well, it said a few months after this happened, that man suddenly died of what was said to be stomach cancer. So there's that. Maybe stomach cancer. Maybe Moita. Don <laughs> dun, dun. dun. <laughs> in 1881, she decided to follow in her older sister's footsteps who had immigrated to the U.S. in search for wealth. So this is when she officially changed her name to its more Americanized version, Belle. And she moved to Chicago, Illinois, where she worked as a servant for a couple of years. About two years after moving to America, Belle met a Swedish man named Mads Albert Sorensen. Mads, this is his first name, which I thought was cool. Also, I had a patient named Mads, and he's one of the only patients in the 11 years that I worked there that's pulled the fire alarm at work. So (laughs) I was like, he do be Mads, though. Uh, (laughs) Why did he do that? I don't know. Okay. Just wanted to see what would happen. Like, ooh, what
1: does this button do? (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) So Bell and Mads really hit it off. Naturally, they very quickly decided to get married, and the couple ended up having four children caroline axel myrtle and lucy now caroline and axel ended up dying as infants like a really young age of acute colitis Mm -hmm. now i'm not saying but i'm saying that the symptoms of acute colitis are fever nausea vomiting lower abdominal pain and cramping which are also the same symptoms as poisoning (laughs)
1: so i'm not saying what i'm saying
0: i'm not saying but i'm pretty sure that it was actually poison i mean the one guy had the stomach cancer suddenly and then we got this colitis i don't know i don't know so linked i don't know (laughs) i don't know two of the kids died two of them were fine according to the u.s census of chicago illinois in june of 1900 the couple had also adopted a girl named jenny who was about 10 at that time and she was listed as living in the home as one of the Sorensen children hmm. so they have lucy myrtle and this adopted daughter jenny anyways Belle was still wanting to be wealthy you know that's why she had moved to america and they also there were small mouths to feed so the couple decided they were going to venture out and open their very own business okay so they decided to open a candy store because like why not she's like trying to be wealthy and who doesn't love candy right am i right foolproof plan so they open up this candy store and it really seemed to be doing okay for a while but after a couple of months of being opened and the new wore off business slowed down considerably they weren't making a profit anymore they're starting to lose money which was a bit of a problem for Belle because she had moved to the us to start making some money like she's not trying to lose money so this was putting a strain on their relationship at least it was for Belle, anyways and they continued to try to make the business work for several months and then one night, the candy store mysteriously burned to the ground. Mm. You know, that kind of happens here a lot.
1: Does it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really does. That sounds awful, but there's this one place that, like, in a adjoining town from us or whatever, mm-hmm. the owners mm-hmm. um, got shut down in the middle of the day because they weren't paying their taxes. And so then, instead of like keeping the place, they moved with their business to another place, right? They got caught up on our taxes and moved to another spot. Well, the other spot wasn't doing well either, um, and so they burned it. Oh, <laughs> burned it down. Except it was an accident, and they got insurance money off of it or whatever. Right. Yeah. So it happens, and all the Dairy Queens in our area all burned down for the same reason. All of them. <laughs> Like, all of them. Okay. The yeah. one in Independence burned down, but they rebuilt it. Yeah. What's going on with the Dairy Queen,
0: though? I think it's the same owner. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of Dairy Queen, <laughs> I have not had a caramel latte in forever, and that sounds delicious right now. Annie Hoosier. So, store completely gone. Luckily, nobody was hurt. Um, Mads was upset, and understandably, because he had just put all the savings into this business that was now gone. Right. This was not the case for Belle. She was like praise jesus my prayers have been answered like we can collect this insurance money and start over let's just try it again so the insurance company investigated the fire because that's what they do they don't just like hand out money right uh, willy-nilly they, they gotta investigate they didn't find anything suspicious so they paid mads and bell their insurance claim now speaking of insurance claims mads had previously purchased two life insurance policies on himself shortly after he and bell got married one I'm of these hurt um, I don't know, maybe, but I didn't see anything mentioned about that, okay. but one of these policies was about to expire. So he had set them up in a way that would ensure that he would always be covered. So he set up the second policy so that it would take effect two days before the first one expired, ensuring that there would be no time that they didn't have an active policy. Like it was just going to overlap.
1: I mean, that's smart. Right. If and your life wasn't, Planning to kill you. Right,
0: (laughs) right. (laughs) This this made him feel comfortable knowing that she would be taken care of since there was no gap in in between the dates. And (laughs) since he had set up the policy so that the policies overlap for two days, this also meant that there would be two days that in the unlikely event that something happened to him, Belle would be able to cash in on both policies since they would both be active at that time. But again, why would you think like that? like exactly but I mean I just wanted to make sure she was set I get it
1: but like also why would you think like that and well, I
0: definitely would not tell my wife that definitely <laughs> not no so guess who died on one of those two unlikely days <laughs> her husband <laughs> it was Mad Sorensen yes that too so according to Bell Mads had come home from work with a really bad headache she said she gave him some medicinal powders called quinine because obviously cyanide what (laughs) because obviously her husband was feeling unwell and she would want to take care of him and do whatever she could to help him feel better yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) also i looked up quinine because i'd never heard of it and apparently it's an old like anti-malaria drug that can actually cause headaches so cool cool, cool. (laughs) (laughs) gotta love that early 1900s medicine (laughs) Yes. They're like, you've got ghosts in your blood. You should do cocaine about it. (laughs) Like,
1: (laughs) you should do cocaine about
0: it. (laughs) So she gave him the quinine and left him to rest. When she returned a couple of hours later, he was not breathing. Mm -hmm. She was shocked. She was distraught. Like, he had just had a headache and now he was dead. So it was ruled that Mads had died of heart failure. But his family wasn't really buying it. They were like, he was a perfectly healthy young man. There were no signs that anything like this would happen. And also his wife like immediately cashed in on these giant life insurance policies, like the day after (laughs) he died. So we're going to need you to look into this. And investigators were like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But the Sorensen's family doctor came forward and said he had been actually treating Mads for an enlarged heart. So this heart failure theory makes sense. There's no need for an autopsy. So an autopsy was not performed. So now at this point, Belle has lost two of her children. She's lost her business. And very quickly after she has suddenly lost her husband, she seems to have, like, all the bad luck. And just when it seems like her luck can't get any worse, her house burns to the ground.
1: Oh, that's weird.
0: She's collecting insurance after insurance. (laughs) Yeah, so now she's got no job, no husband, no home. Like, what is she going to do? So Belle decided it was time to move. She got all this money now, you know. So start a new life, fresh start, you know.
1: She got all this money now, you know, from, from, from a
0: all... legal, from a legal Oh, I was and, gonna say, and murder. And I murder. Say, I was gonna say from all the terrible tragedies that have fell upon her, but okay. Um, she decides it's time to move on. She packed up Myrtle, Lucy, and Jenny. And all of the newly acquired money. And she bought a 48-acre farm on the, outskirt, on the outskirts of LaPorte, Indiana. Okay. Since she was raised on a farm, she knew how it worked. She knew how to run it. So this was perfect. Um, side note, a neighbor came over to help her when she was, like, moving in. And his neighbor described her as a rugged woman. And said that he saw her lift a 300-pound piano by herself
1: what the actual fuck (laughs) yes and when
0: he looked at her like what the fuck she simply said i like music at my home (laughs) and then just like toted it in the house so she was like a big old strong gal Mm -mm. anyways while in indiana Belle met a man named peter Gunnis, hence the last name Gunnis. so before long the two were married and the couple opened up a local market Belle was like, I need a redo because the candy store didn't like work out so well. So now with my new husband, I'm going to open up a market. We'll sell like basic food. Everyone needs basic food. It'll be great. I'll handle the business shit. My new hubby can like work as the butcher and we'll have all this fresh meat to sell. It's going to be so great. So they're starting this new business. Everything's going to be great. Suddenly Peter's young daughter from a previous relationship died of uncertain causes while alone in the house with Belle. That's not sketchy. I was like, don't be suspicious. <laughs> like don't be suspicious. That that it's a little sketch, I'm not gonna lie. Not long after Peter was working when suddenly a meat grinder fell off of a quote unquote wobbly shelf above him, crushing his skull and killing him. How does that even happen? It was a wobbly <laughs> shelf. <It> was, wobbly <laughs> it was shelf. A wobbly shelf. A terrible accident. So many terrible accidents happened around this one. <laughs> so, the coroner, while he described this incident as a little strange, he did rule it as an accident. Allegedly, jenny Bell's adopted daughter told schoolmates that my mama killed my papa. She hit him in the head with the meat cleaver, and he died. Don't tell a soul. <laughs> Not long after this, neighbors noticed that they hadn't seen jenny in a few weeks. They're like, "Hmm, that's weird." So they reported it to authorities. Police come and knock in and they're like, okay, so yeah, we've had several reports that you have a young daughter that nobody in the entire town has seen in several weeks after your brand new husband's infant daughter suddenly died unexplainably and then he died in a freak accident. So like, what's mm-hmm. up with that, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, Oh, oh, Jenny Jenny's not missing. No, she went off to like this I sent her to this fancy finishing school for young ladies in Los Angeles. So she's got all this money, but like, did they check on that? Well, they were like, okay, she's a very assertive, sure of herself, large woman, and she seems very sure, (laughs) large woman, (laughs) that this is what happened. (laughs) So, okay, sorry to bother you. Yeah, cool, cool. That makes sense. Thanks. We don't want any trouble, (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) Now, after Peter's death in May of 1903, his and Belle's son Philip was born. So she was pregnant when he died. Okay. So now Belle is taking care of Myrtle, Lucy, and Philip. Jenny's gone to finishing school, supposedly. I'm just trying to keep this all in order because there's a lot of people that come and go in and out of her life, like, quickly. So now Belle's widowed again. She's taking care of all these children, minus Jenny. She's also running a big-ass farm and a market. And she's just got so much on her plate right now. So Belle decided it was time for her to find another man so that she could have him help her with all the stuff she's got going on.
1: Or also kill him for insurance money. And
0: this is where we go into kind of like Craigslist killer vibes. Oh. Yeah. So she decided to take out an ad in the matrimonial section of local Mm -hmm. newspaper, which like I didn't know that was a thing. Searching for husband to kill. (laughs) Right. So I have her ad. It's it's short but sweet. I'm gonna read it real quick. Okay. It says Personal. Comely widow. Like who describes himself as that, by the way? Comely widow, who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in La Porte County, Indiana, desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided with view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with personal visit. Triflers need not apply. So Belle Gunnis has no time for triflers. She just laid that out there.
1: I got, what
0: is that song what's that song bills 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 i got so many yes. destiny's child with bills, <laughs> bills vibes right now and i love it that's what i was like in. yes so <laughs> <laughs> she does not have time for triflers. she takes out this ad <laughs> and several middle-aged men responded one of these men was named john mo now he had apparently brought a thousand dollars with him to pay the rest of bell's mortgage Or at least that's what Bell's neighbors claimed that he told them. Within a week of his arrival at the farm, John had disappeared. Just gone. Then there was a man named George Anderson. George was also an immigrant from Norway who had traveled to Indiana from Missouri after reading Bell's ad. One night during dinner, Bell raised the issue of her mortgage. Again, like bills, bills, bills. She's (laughs) like, can you pay my bills? So Anderson agreed you pay my bills. Pay my bills Anderson agreed to pay off her mortgage if and when the couple decided to wed at some point. So she's like, can you pay my bills? And he's like, sure, like if we develop a meaningful relationship that like leads to marriage, then I will consider that, yes. He's
1: like traveling. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh good for nothing time brother <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that she just loved that answer so <laughs> later that night george woke up to find bell standing over him holding a candle in one hand with like a strange sinister expression on her face without saying a word she suddenly ran from the room <laughs> And George said, I'll do you one better than running from the room. And he fled the house. He's like, bye. He just noped the fuck out of there. <laughs> he said, this bitch be Cray. <laughs> and he took a train back to Missouri. Now, several men just kept coming to the farm, like answering Belle's ad. But George was one of the only ones that ever left her farm after they came. After a while, she began ordering these huge trunks and having them delivered to her home. Um, one delivery driver named Clyde Sturgis said that he delivered many of these trunks to her house and that he remembered how she would just like lift these enormous trunks like they were quote unquote boxes of marshmallows and just throw them over her shoulder and carry them into the house where her shutters were always pulled closed. It didn't matter if it was day or night, like her, you could not see in her house. She was also seen late at night with a shovel digging in her hog pen like a couple of times. So that's super casual. You know, nothing to see here.
1: So she's feeding <laughs> feeding him to the hogs, huh?
0: Sounds like it. Sounds mm-hmm. like it. mm mm The next suitor to come a was an elderly widower from Iola, Wisconsin, named Old B. Budsberg. Oh, that's but- a name. <laughs> that is a name. Budsberg was last seen alive on April 6, 1907, when he mortgaged his land in Wisconsin, signing over a deed and obtaining several thousand dollars in cash. The following month, his two grown sons, Oscar and Matthew, had noticed that their father was missing, and they began searching for him. They found out from a neighbor that he had seen this newspaper ad put out by a woman named Belle Gunness, and that he planned to go and meet her. So the brothers wrote a letter to Belle, and she replied to them that she had never seen their father, and Budsburg was just never seen again. He's just, he's just gone.
1: That's sketchy. <laughs> okay
0: throughout 1907 several other men would show up to the gunness farm and then disappear after brief visits in december of 1907 a farmer named andrew Helgelin from aberdeen south dakota wrote a letter after seeing her ad she responded to his letter and the two actually began writing back and forth which i thought she wasn't dealing with no triflers i thought she just wanted to meet them
1: no lying now (laughs) he's a good for nothing
0: type of brother yes (laughs) so andrew told her that he wanted to get to know her a little bit through these letters before like deciding to travel to indiana to meet her which was like smart that is smart so they write back and forth and it seems like the two of them are really hitting it off like it seemed like Belle was actually falling for him so a letter from Belle to andrew was later found at his farm that read to the dearest friend in the world. No woman in the world is happier than I am. I know that you're now to come to me and be my own. I can tell from your letters that you are the man I want. It does not take one long to tell when to like a person and you I like better than anyone in the world I know. Think how we will enjoy each other's company. You, the sweetest man in the whole world. Will we be all alone with each other? Can you conceive anything nicer? i think of you constantly when i hear your name mentioned and this is when one of the dear children speaks of you or i hear myself humming it with the words of an old love song it is beautiful music to my ears
1: (laughs) is this a country song (laughs) right
0: (laughs) my heart beats in the wild rapture for you my andrew i love you come prepared to stay forever oh jesus (laughs) yikes right (laughs) yikes
1: Well, this is the... Give an ex-girlfriend vibes. <laughs> She's giving
0: crazy ex-girlfriend vibes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a letter that seemed to have won Andrew over. He left his farm and went to live with her. I know, I know. The couple planned to open up a business together because that's, you know, how much Belle loves to open up new businesses. And Andrew was also planning on acting as like a handyman around the farm. As well as like, you know, being Belle's lover. So... In January of 1908, Andrew moved in with Belle. After living with her for about two weeks, Belle asked Andrew to go with her to the savings bank in La Porte and take out a $3,000 loan in his name. What the fuck? You know, for like, so that that he could start this business, you know. So he's like, yeah, okay. They go to the bank. The bank denied him the $3,000 loan, but they did approve a $1,200 loan. So like, okay, we'll make that work. So the bank was like, okay, you're approved for $1,200. we will send you a check in the mail. Have a nice day. So they go back to the farm and Belle is watching that mailbox. She got her hands on the check before Andrew even like saw that the mail was delivered and like straight up lied about it. She was like, I don't understand. They said the check was coming. It has, it has yet to come. I don't know what's going on. She then deposited $500 of the check into her account at the savings bank. And the remaining $700 into a separate account at the State Bank. A few days later, Andrew just disappeared. It's just gone. So now, (laughs) after Andrew's brother Aisle stopped receiving letters from him, he got concerned. Andrew had told him all about Belle, so he knew where Andrew was. And him and Aisle were, like, super close. And it was just not like Andrew at all to not write letters to him. So, Asel decided he was going to write a letter to Belle and ask her what was going on with his brother. So, he writes to Belle, and she wrote him a letter back saying that Andrew had gone to the bank a few weeks prior and took out a loan to supposedly start this new business. But as soon as he got the money, he dipped and went back to Norway, you know? And she was like, I was so shocked that he would do that. Like, I thought we had this good thing going between us, and I was totally blindsided. Right? <laughs> Nobody can see you, but you're doing weird things with your head. Like bitch, <laughs> bitch. Yeah, but then she changed her tune a little bit. She was like, "Well, you know, I was thinking that he took the money and run, but the fact that he didn't tell you about this plan has me a little worried now because, like, I know how close you guys were. So maybe he didn't really leave. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but I have like a really big ass farm. There's like 48 acres here. So maybe something happened to him when he was out on the farm somewhere. Like maybe there was some kind of accident or something. Hey, you should come to my farm and like help me do an extensive search to try to find him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of blinking and eye rolling going on from your side. (laughs) I'm speechless. (laughs) This is how she did, guys. This is how she did. Now, meanwhile, during all of this, Belle is also having this beef with a man named Ray Lamphere. Ray had been one of her farmhands for like quite some time. And he up and quit in February of 1908 after he and Belle had some sort of like quarrel. So it was said that the two had some sort of relationship at some point and that he was super unhappy about all of the gentleman callers that she was getting to come to the farm. (laughs) and once Andrew showed up Ray got into an argument with Belle and like left in a jealous rage so Ray left the Gunnis farm and he went to work at another farm not far from there on April 27th 1908 Belle went and spoke to a lawyer about Ray saying that she had to fire her farmhand who was like totally obsessed with her and this had caused him to go completely mad she was like i need to get all my stuff in order i want to like make out a will you know because he's like insane in the membrane and he threatened my life
1: He's like insane in the membrane
0: i'm sure this is how people in 1908 talked by the way i mean (laughs) so she told the lawyer that this man was out to get her and that she was just so afraid that one night he was just gonna burn her house to the ground
1: That's very excessive. Very, very.
0: When when she left the lawyer's (laughs) office, she made a quick stop at the store to purchase some toys for her children and two gallons of kerosene. You know, at the toy and kerosene store. I don't know. (laughs) So. (laughs) You know, the usual thing that you just get on a Friday night. (laughs) Right. Just need to make a quick stop by the store to get some toys and kerosene. So. all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special (laughs) offer. So you'll never guess what happened later that night. Let me guess. It caught on fire. (laughs) You guessed it. Yes. Belle's house was burned (laughs) to the ground again. (laughs) She just has the worst luck ever. yes it's pure (laughs) unluckiness (laughs) yes um but this house fire was much worse than the previous one though because a lot of people actually died in this fire so joe maxson who had been replaced to hire ray as the farmhand after he like left all in a jealous rage apparently so joe is this new farmhand he wakes up in the early hours of april 28th 1908 smelling smoke in his room which was on the second floor of the Gunnis house. So he opened the hall door to find just flames everywhere. You're not supposed to open it. (laughs) You're not, but he did. And the house was ablaze. So Maxon screamed Bell's names and he he screamed the kids' names, but he he got no response. Um, He slammed the door back shut. And then in his underwear, leapt from the second story window of his room and was able to just get out just in time, barely surviving the fire. Now, that's luck. <laughs> okay, that is that is luck. He raced to town to get help, but by the time the firemen arrived, the farmhouse was basically in ruins. Like, it was just burnt to the ground. Which, I mean,
1: I can expect that. Right. You know, right. since the whole house was already on fire
0: before he got out. <laughs> right, exactly. So, investigators were called to the scene and... There, they found the charred remains of a woman and three children in the basement of the home.
1: Oh, that's sad.
0: Uh huh. The children were soon identified to be Belle's three children Myrtle, Lucy, and Philip. And the woman could not immediately be identified as Belle because she had no head. So the head was never found from this woman. Time out. Exactly. What yeah. happened to the head? It fell off in the fire. I don't know. Like, nobody knows. And so, yeah, that was a weird fact. Your head doesn't just fall off in the fire. It just fell off in the fire. Yeah. No. So, the county sheriff had heard about Ray's alleged threats from the lawyer.
1: Mm, So, they just thought it was him, huh?
0: Right. So, they quickly sought out the ex-handyman. Now, when they found him, Ray did not help his case much because at the moment the sheriff confronted him before anything was said about the fire, Ray said, did Widow Gunnis and the kids get out all right? He was then told about the fire. Like, how would he have known about the fire? That wait, I'm so confused. Right. So police just go looking for him after this because they're like, oh, this guy was supposed to supposedly after her. So they go looking for him to question him. And then he, they, they find him and he's like, oh, did they get out? Okay. And then cops were like, so their house caught on fire. How'd you know that? That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. like She's the one that bought all the shit. So we're like, they in it together. I, mean, I don't know. See, this is a, this is a mystery unsolved. I'm doing an unsolved kind of thing. I'm throwing that at you. So there's different theories. He was then told about the fire, but he denied having anything to do with it claiming
1: that
0: right he was claiming that he was not near the farm when the fire occurred well then this young boy named john solem came forward and he was like dude i saw you running down the road from the gunners house like right before the fire
1: yeah it sounds like they were like involved in it and she just like didn't want she wanted to collect insurance money and i don't know she kind of seems like she just doesn't want to be a mother either so
0: right she killed all of her children like all of them
1: right I mean she killed those her stepchildren before so I mean maybe she had somebody that was obsessed with her go in it with her to get rid of the house collect the insurance money and be able to like get rid of the family too so she could just start over
0: that that's kind of one of the theories Ray was immediately arrested and charged with murder and arson investigators, sheriff's deputies, coroners, men, and many volunteers began to search the ruins for like any kind of evidence, but it was hard to find it. It was like, everything was burnt. So the body of the headless woman was of deep concern to LaPorte residents. A neighboring farmer took one look at the charred remains of this body and said, that is definitely not Belle Gunness.
1: Because she wasn't fucking butch, I bet, like big and masculine.
0: So another- smaller. She was. I'm gonna get to that. Um, another nearby farmer, along with several of, of Bell's like actual friends that she talked to all the time, also looked at this body and were like, "Do you do you even remember what she looked like? This is clearly not her." Mm-hmm. So doctors then measured the remains and made like allowances for the missing neck and head, and they stated that the corpse was that of a woman who stood about five foot three inches and weighed no more than 150 pounds. Yeah, definitely not her. <laughs> right. So, so who was it then? Exactly. Nobody knows. The head was never found. This body was never identified. I know, but like who else would have even been around the kids? Like who was missing that nobody knew about? There's no, like who knows? Maybe she lured some woman like she did these men with this ad. Like maybe she got a woman somewhere that nobody even knew about. Maybe.
1: Maybe she lured this woman and she was more like a nanny to the kids. Maybe,
0: maybe. Maybe. Uh, friends and neighbors as well as the laporte clothers who like made her dresses and garments and other clothes they swore that she was like five eight five nine and weighed between like 180 to 10 they're like there's no way this is her body so detailed measurements of the body were compared to those that were on file at several stores where she purchased her clothes and it was like not matching up when the two sets of measurements were compared the authorities concluded that the headless woman could not have possibly been Bell Dennis, even when the ravages of the fire on the body were taken into account. So, like, the flesh was so badly burned, but it was still intact. So they could still, yeah. A doctor examined the internal organs of the dead woman and sent stomach contents of the victim to a pathologist in Chicago, who months later reported that the organs contained lethal doses of a poison called strychnine. So, this person was poisoned and beheaded and then in this house fire. Did they do the same to the kids? The kids were just burnt in the fire, I think. I don't think they, I mean, they might have checked to see if they were poisoned. I didn't see anything about that, but I mean, they.
1: I just find it odd that the kids were, like, in the same room as the woman.
0: Right. They were all, they were just all there together.
1: For somebody that was headless and just down there. You know right, what I mean? Right,
0: yeah. 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 So Gunness's dentist, Dr. Ira P. Norton, said that if the teeth of the headless corpse had been located, then he could definitely determine whether or not it was Belle, because he had done some dental work on her like a few years before. Right. On May 19th, 1908, a piece of bridge work was found consisting of two human canine teeth with their roots still attached, porcelain teeth, and gold crown work in between norton identified them as work that he had done for gunness and so as a result the coroner was like yep yeah, this is definitely her even though they were like she was like five to six inches shorter and 100 pounds that- lighter than bell so remember asel andrew's brother mm-hmm. so he had found out about the fire and arrived in laporte and told the sheriff that he believed his brother had met with some kind of like foul play while he was here with bell Then Joe Maxson came forward with information that could not be ignored. So he told the sheriff that Gunnis had ordered him to bring loads of dirt by wheelbarrow to a large area surrounded by like high wire fence where the hogs were fed. Maxson said that there were many like deep depressions in the ground that had been covered with the dirt. And Belle told him, she said she had, she had filled the holes with trash and he wanted to fill the rest of it with dirt because she wanted the ground leveled out. And so he was the handyman. So he did what he was asked. You know, that yeah, was his job. That's sketch. That's Well, yeah, it's super sketch. But she's like, it's just trash that I put in there. <laughs> By trash, I mean dead bodies. <laughs> so, yes, the sheriff took a dozen men back to the farm and they began to dig in that area. On May 3rd, 1908, the diggers unearthed the body of Jenny Olsen who had vanished back in december of 1906 that was the remember her adopted yeah. daughter that had gone off to fancy finishing school yeah so she was the first body found they then found small bodies of two unidentified children they found the body of andrew Helgelin, and his overcoat was later found to be worn by ray the handyman oh that's fucked up uh-huh as the days progressed and the gruesome work continued, one body after another was discovered in Belle's hog pen, including Oldie Budsburg, who had gone missing. I'm actually shocked that there were bodies even in the hog pen, just saying. I know, because you, hogs, you usually hear that hogs, like, completely... They
1: actually... I mean, they do. Yeah. Not even that they, that you hear it. They literally do. They
0: will eat it all. Right. But also, she, w- she was burying their, them there. It's not like she was just throwing them in the hog pen and telling the hawks to go at it she was just I you no know, but still which i don't i don't understand why that was the plan i mean i'm glad it was the plan because these bodies were able to be found and people were given closure right. but yeah there was a ton of people like it was close to like 40 people that she that they like unearthed these bodies tons of people from surrounding areas that the family members had like reporting them missing and didn't even know that they had ever met Belle because they just answered this ad that she had put in the paper i guess what question like what you know i got a question on
1: that is why was she killing all these other people because at first it was just like for insurance money right
0: now, what it was it were they so what like, it was now was she was getting well she was getting people to like Mortgage off their stuff, their land, their homes and stuff, cash in money, bring all their possessions and all their money, and she would just kill them and take all their money. Good God. hmm It was always all about money for her. Before long, news of the gruesome discovery spread. Newspapers labeled Belle, the Black Widow, Bell, the Indiana Ogress, and the Mistress of the Castle of Death. Reporters described her home as a quote unquote horror farm and a death garden. Curious onlookers flocked to Laporte, so much so that vendors also started coming and started selling ice cream, popcorn, cake, and something called gunna stew to visitors. Ooh. Right? That is that is poor Porte. That is not okay. Keep it classy, Laporte, you know. So most of the remains found on the property could not be identified. The exact number of individuals on Earth is unknown, but it's, le- it's believed to be around like 40. On May 19th, 1908, remains of approximately seven unknown victims were buried in two coffins and unmarked graves in the pauper section of the cemetery in La Porte. Andrew Helgelin and Jenny Olson were buried in La Porte's cemetery near Peter Gunnis. Now, Ray... Good old handyman Ray. He was tried for murder and Arson. He denied the charges that were filed against him, obviously. And his defense hinged on the assertion that the body was not Bell's body, which, like, you had a fair argument there. I mean, right. But also there were still the bodies of the three identified kids that had died. So I don't know why that's a question. Ray's lawyer, Wirt Warden, which what a name. Um, he developed Evidence that contradicted Norton's identification of the teeth in the bridge work. So a local jeweler testified that though the gold in the bridge work had emerged from the fire almost undamaged, the fierce heat of that fire had melted the gold plating on several like watches and items of gold jewelry. So, local doctors replicated the conditions of the fire by attaching a similar pl- piece of dental bridgework to a human jawbone and placing it in a blacksmith's forge. The real teeth crumbled and disintegrated. The porcelain teeth came out, pocketed and pitted with like the gold parts super melted. And both the artificial elements were damaged to a greater degree than those in the bridgework that were found.
1: So, like all the teeth that were found. Clearly, we're just placed there. We're just
0: planted. So the hired hand Joe maxson and another man also testified that they had seen the sheriff take the bridge work out of his pocket and plant it just before it was discovered. What? Right. Also, how come he has her teeth? <laughs> well, I mean the dent the dentist could have just been saying, "Yeah, that's her teeth." It could have been any any type of bridge work, I guess.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Like, they could have been in a cahoots. I don't know. So, Ray was eventually found guilty of arson, but he was acquitted of murder. On November 26, 1908, he was sentenced to 20 years in the state prison in Michigan City. He died of tuberculosis on December thirtieth, nineteen 1909.
1: So, he only did a year.
0: Oh, yeah. I didn't even put that together. Yeah, he only did a He only did a, did a year out of his 20 <laughs> that's sad but still it is so this is interesting on january 14th 1910 reverend ea shell came forward with a confession saying that ray was said to have made to him while the clergyman was comforting the dying man so this reverend comes forward it's like when he was dying he like made a confession to me he said in the confession that ray revealed what he claimed to be Belle's crimes and swore that she was still alive. Ray had stated to the Reverend and to a fellow convict named Harry Myers shortly before his death that he had not murdered anyone, but he had helped Belle bury many of her victims. He said when a potential victim arrived at her farm, Belle would make him feel comfortable. She would charm him. She'd cook him this big ass meal. Then she would usually drug his coffee and when the man was in, like, a stupor, she would, like, smack him in the head with a meat cleaver. hmm He said that sometimes she would simply wait for the man to go to bed and then enter the bedroom by candlelight and chloroform her sleeping victim. Which, remember that one guy that got away? Because he woke up to her standing over him with a candle. Right. So, being the strong, sturdy gal that she was, she would then carry the body, the chloroformed body, to the basement, place it on a table... And dissect it, which, I mean, all these body parts that they were finding, all these bodies were, like, cut-up body parts. She then bundled the remains and buried these in the hog pen and in the grounds around the house. He said that Belle had become an expert at dissection thanks to instructions she would received from her second husband, the butcher, Peter Gunnis. To save time, she sometimes poisoned her victim's coffee. She also varied her disposal methods sometimes dumping the corpse into the hog-scalding vat and then covering the remains with quicklime. Ray even stated that if Belle was overly tired after murdering one of her victims, she merely chopped up the remains and in the middle of the night stepped into her hog pen and fed the remains to her hogs. The handyman also supposedly cleared up the mysterious question of the headless female corpse found in the smoking ruins of Belle's home. So he said... That Belle had lured this woman from Chicago on the pretense of hiring her as a housekeeper only days before she decided to make her permanent escape from LaPorte. So according to Ray, Belle had drugged this woman, then bashed her in the head, decapitated her, taking the head, which had weights tied to it, to a swamp where she threw it in the deep water. Which I mean the head was never found, so that's very possible. Right. Then he chloroformed her children smothered them to death and dragged their small bodies along with the headless corpse to the basement ray did or she did ray said that she did all of this oh when he was like dying and confessing this is what he said she did
1: oh okay because you had said he chloroformed
0: them oh i meant then she chloroformed them. no that's he... why i was like wait a minute <laughs> no he had said that he hadn't killed anybody but he knew that she. right had.
1: that's why i was like wait a minute now yeah, so, yeah, no yeah she... i thought you meant she okay
0: yeah He said she dressed the female corpse in her own clothing, removed her false teeth, and then put them beside the headless corpse. Which I don't even know if that doesn't make make sense, right?
1: That wouldn't have happened
0: because, because the teeth would have... Right. She then torched the house and fled. Ray said he had known of her plan to leave and start a new life and that they were supposed to start this new life together. And she was supposed to meet him by the road where he was waiting for her after the fire had been set. But instead, she betrayed him by cutting across open fields and then just disappearing into the woods, never to be seen again. So some accounts vary and say that Ray had admitted that he actually did meet with her and took her to Stillwell, which was a town about nine miles away, and then put her on a train to Chicago. I was like, but (laughs) nine miles away. (laughs) Right, but it was super easy for the cops to find him right then, right after the fire, so I don't think that happened. Um, Ray said that Bell was a very rich woman, and that she had murdered, by his count, forty-two men, perhaps more, and had taken amounts from them ranging from one thousand to thirty-two thousand. So he said that she had allegedly accumulated more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars through her murder schemes over the years, which was a huge fortune back in those days, and today that would be over eight million dollars. So she was rolling in that, though. And bills, 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 bills. <laughs> she had um a small amount remaining in one of her savings accounts, but local bankers admitted that she had withdrawn most of her money shortly before the fire. So she was totally planning on faking her death and and leaving with her money. Mm-hmm. The body believed to be that of Belle Gunnis was buried next to her first husband at Forest Home Cemetery in Forest Park, Illinois. But that's that's I don't think that's Belle. That is not Belle. So over the next several decades, Bell was allegedly cited in various cities across the nation. As late as 1931, Bell was reported alive and living in a Mississippi town where she supposedly owned a great deal of property and like lived her life as a prominent citizen. Another report in 1931 suggested that she may have been known, a woman known as Esther Carlson, who was actually arrested in Los Angeles on February 9th. 1931 for poisoning a man august lindström who was like a norwegian american man mm-hmm. two people who had known bell claimed after seeing pictures of this esther woman claimed that that, that was 100 bell they're like no that is absolutely bell gunness like i don't know what you're talking about i don't know who this esther person is and it said that she had pictures of children with her in her jail cell that looked very much like bell's children
1: but their ch- her
0: children died. Right. Like like she was just had pictures of them from before that she had carried with her all these oh, years.
1: They were like photographs in her cell.
0: Right. This, not, her I self, was like, not her cell phone. Is this is a night. No, I'm in,
1: I'm in um her actual like jail cell. I didn't know if they like let their children visit in the cell back then or not. That's why Oh, that- no, no,
0: no. Yeah, it was pictures that she had with her So a lot of people think that this Esther was actually Belle Gunness, but that's never been proven. And um, Esther Carlson died on May 6, 1931, while, while awaiting trial. So one last little quick thing that's interesting. On November fifth, two 2007, with the permission of descendants of Belle's sister, the headless body was exhumed by a team of forensic anthropologists and graduate students from the University of Indi- Indianapolis in an effort to learn her true identity yeah so it was initially hoped that a sealed envelope flap from a letter that was found at one of her like victims farms would have enough dna to be compared to that of the body but unfortunately there was not enough dna on the envelope so they couldn't prove anything and it's still unknown whether or yeah. not that headless woman is the body of Belle Gunness. and that is that on that how crazy is that that is definitely crazy do you think it was Belle, or do you think do it definitely you, wasn't her you can't no, go no. from a very large woman to a tiny woman you can't like go that. from five nine to five three suddenly in a fire I, no just by losing your head like it's not that many inches <laughs> no. unless you got a real big head also <laughs> why did you lose your head though in a house fire <laughs> so yeah that is that on that all right okay Follow all the stuff All the stuff. Go to our website. You can see our Insta, our facey space. The face of the spaces. We don't have Twitter. I was going to say Twitter. (laughs) Okay. So. Let's be awkward. Let's be awkward. Okay, Mm -hmm. bye. Ah, damn, you're frozen. Hey there, Joyce.
1: Hello, Joyce. I was about to take a picture of how frozen you were
0: oh hey god i think you're frozen you're frozen can you hear me hey, no. okay you were frozen for a second could you hear me what when i was you? okay are we good now yeah okay oh damn you froze again hey, hey. hey. yeah yeah. Hey.
1: yeah yeah can you hear me now I, I haven't heard a thing you said you're breaking up real bad okay i'm gonna no, and I can't see you. You're frozen.
0: Son of a bitch. Immediately cashed in on these giant life insurance policies, like the day after you died. So I'm going to need you to look into this. <laughs> like <gasps> What? Sorry. What? The fuck is happening? What is it?
1: Well, I was trying to... Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, What? <laughs> I picked up the paper and there's like a spider like this big so like threw it back down (laughs)
0: okay okay